0: And welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. Today's podcast is a slight deviation from our normal program. Every tenth episode, we will be chatting to a professional who either helps, coaches, mentors, or teaches masters' athletes. Our guest today is the lovely Kirsten Norden, who is the inventor of swimnastics. For those of you who are not familiar with it, Swimnastics is a dry land program incorporating the fundamentals of gymnastics to help swimmers build strength, flexibility, and skill development in the water. I know you're going to enjoy listening into to today's podcast. Thank you, Bob.
1: Hi, Kirsten, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Danielle. I'm so excited to be here, actually. I'm really excited to
0: have you on and talk about Swimnastics. Um, just before we, we get into that, where are you coming to
1: us from today? Today, I'm actually in Yamba, so north coast, New South Wales. Um, I'll be crossing into Queensland on Friday, um, so tomorrow actually, um, to then run some clinics in Queensland, but I've um, been travelling up from Melbourne. It's been a good trip.
0: Oh, amazing. It's, It's great that you've been able to move around with all the COVID lockdowns we've had.
1: Yeah, I've had to um, dodge a few um, hotspots, so it hasn't been um, the road trip as planned, Um, but it's it's actually ended up being even better than what I planned. Um, I did have to zoom into all the Sydney bookings um, because that's a bit of a hotspot at the moment, Um, but it has meant I've been able to explore more smaller coastal towns in New South Wales, um, which I hadn't planned on doing. So you know, it's had its wins, um, and lucky for Zoom, I guess.
0: I know, I know. I think Zoom's been the big takeoff during this time, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think um, I probably yeah, I spent probably six to eight hours on Zoom a day during um, COVID, like the peak of COVID in Australia last year. Um, so I did learn to navigate it really quick, um, and it's been it's been a really good tool for I would say for swimming dry land and for dry land for other sports because of the efficiency that it has in that you can be in your own home and we can still develop strength and develop flexibility and you don't have that travel or that commute time um that we we got really used to jam packing our days I would say
0: absolutely I know sound it's um I I actually tuned in for I think one of your classes one of your zoom classes which was fantastic but I and I've done it before live but I want all our listeners to hear about gymnastics and how it came about I, I know we've talked about it before but what's your background in sport
1: Yeah, so I started as um, a gymnast. My mom was a gymnastics coach and still works in gymnastics. My auntie was a gymnastics coach. My uncle was a gymnastics coach. And so gymnastics has been a really big part of my upbringing. And I also did it um, when I was younger. I did it till about the age of 15 um, and that's when I, I had stress fractures in my back and it was quite timely. I think I was probably reached my limit with gymnastics. I I am a very strong build and I have great flexibility, but I, was, I started getting scared um, and really fearful of new skills and more advanced skills um, in gymnastics you're conquering fear on a daily basis um, and I think I'd reached my threshold I'd always right. swum and I'd always done little acts so when I got stress fractures um, I actually I started seeing a sports site because my parents were like oh she used to love Jim is she really fallen out of love or is it the injury that she's scared to go back um, after having time off or and it was a really really pivotal change because I did realize I did want to move sports um the physio who's become a really good friend she was trying to convince me to go into running or aths or cross country because I'd always been a pretty handy runner but after after doing gymnastics where you're learning new skills all the time you've got four different apparatus it's it's there's so much to it the idea of just running seemed a little bit boring to me um, so I was like, how about triathlon because um, I'd always loved swimming i I just love the water um, at the moment i'm yeah going into the ocean every day I just can't get enough uh, so then i she found me my first coach and he was he hadn't taken juniors he had a squad of older athletes, um, but she really convinced him to take me on and he was one of the most nurturing Coaches I have had. I remember I would like try and convince him to let me go out riding in the hills. And he would be like, No, 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 we need to look after you. Like, we need to keep you going. You're only young. And I would be like, Please, can I go and ride the hills? And um, and then I remember the day he came up to me. We were at it was after swim training in the morning, and he was like, Kirsten, I decided that if you were living in Europe, You'd be riding the hills every day, so you can come this weekend. And I was so excited to be able to uh, to go out and ride through the hills. So triathlon, I then moved to, and I did that until I was 23. Um, I loved the lifestyle of triathlon. You had so much volume of training, which I, I loved at the time. Now I'm definitely not a volume lover, but I did at the time. Um, <laughs> I used to love when my, my block had like five swims so I could turn up to squad every morning um, and then in the afternoon you'd run or you'd ride. And I loved being able to do all three sports and the challenge that it it created. I loved that I was now racing instead of that more routine performing of gymnastics um, and it was just a yes. different transition yeah. So then, that was more my athletic career, um, and then I went travelling, and because I'd finished my degree at the same time, I finished uh, training. What, so I was completely. What was your, kind de- of what was free. your degree? In? Oh, sorry,
0: sorry, I was going yeah. to ask, what was your? What did you do your degree in?
1: Yeah. So I did sports science and commerce. So it was a double degree, and at the time, I didn't really know. Why I was doing it, I loved sport, and I loved learning about sport and the commerce side i was i was baffled while I was doing it, but I got a um a good atar or enter whatever it's called these days, so i just i got in and I was like okay we'll we'll do this double degree and I remember sitting in like Commerce lectures of accounting and finance, and being like, "Oh, this is really not exciting me." But um, now owning gymnastics, I'm so thankful that I did that degree. Um, oh, I did. <laughs> so, it actually, there was a reason that I did that double degree. Um, as much as my peers were probably laughing at the time, because I would ride my bike into uni and then, you know, maybe leave early so I could get to my run set that afternoon. Um, so I was very much juggling at that stage, but yeah, it was a really good degree to learn the theory behind all my experiences. So at the time, you know, you, you'd finish a swim set and then you'd turn up to uni and you'd be learning about energy systems. And I would just sit there and be like, oh, that's why I did that swim set this morning. Or when we were in biomechanics, I'd be like, oh, that was that movement pattern that we were doing in the gym that day. So The degree just gave me the theory behind everything that I was experiencing and it really helped me to get a deeper understanding of the body and how it moves and what its needs are. And then, yes, the commerce part has come in handy over the last um, two or three years. (laughs) Yes, yes, I bet. So what made you invent
0: Swimnastics? How did you get to that point?
1: So... It would have been 2015, I was coaching gymnastics at MLC and it's next door to the pool. So, yeah, it's literally like four steps around the corner. And I loved being at um, MLC because you were intermingled with other sports. So, I would chat to the swimming coaches um, and there was a day where the head of uh, like swimming and learn to swim approached me and she said, Kirsten, can you coach swimming? And I said, Oh, I haven't done it, but you know, I'm willing to try. They would look down into the glass and see me coaching gymnastics all the time. So they knew I could coach and they knew I'd swum and they needed some help with uh, some of their squads. So they needed another staff member. And I said, okay, like I'm happy to give it a go. So I would coach gymnastics. And then when the gymnast I was coaching went to ballet, I would go in and coach swimming. And then when the gymnast finished with ballet, I would leave pool deck and go back next door and coach gymnastics. Uh, So we worked this timetable between the two sports where it meant I could flip and flop between the two. And I was coaching swimming and I think the first thing was, I was like, their heads are underwater all the time. I can't make corrections like I can in gymnastics. That was my first (laughs) (laughs) challenge. Um, and I remembered the whole time being like I just want to get them out of the pool because if I can teach them a better body position or a better streamline on dry land, I feel like I'll just be getting there a quicker way. Um, yes. That was probably my first like real experience of leading down this pathway. Then I uh, my training program uh, increased and I needed to be down in Torquay because my coach was in Geelong, so I was only up in Melbourne on the weekends. So I stopped coaching swimming, um, but that was my first interaction. Then 2015, they needed a female to go on a trip to Sydney, and they asked if I could go, and I said, yeah, that's fine, um, to be like the team manager.
0: And I remember
1: just sitting on pool deck, and I loved the vibe of pool deck meets. It's – Yes. gymnastics doesn't have that and I really liked it it felt really homely already and I would just sit there and watch the swimming and the athletes would just sit and chat to me in between their races and we would just chat and then sometimes uh, Nick Valiatis would come and sit next to me and he'd Give me a bit more insight on what he was seeing when the swimmer was racing and give me more background on that athlete and their fly or that athlete and their breaststroke. And then he'd be like, oh, this is the challenge this athlete's having. What would you do? And a whole lot of exercises would come to me about, oh, I do this, this, or this and that. And then I was like, whoa, how, whoa, I don't know how I have that information, but that's what I do. And he's like, okay, <laughs> cool. Then I... Went back to Melbourne and then they asked me to go to nationals that year. So a couple of weeks later, I flew up to nationals and again, spent many hours on pool deck and just watched and watched and watched and watched how the coaches and the athletes interacted, watched how people warmed up. Um, In that Sydney meet actually earlier, the Japanese were there and Nick said to me, he's like, go and watch the Japanese warm up. And I remember seeing them warm up and I was like, this is what a warm-up should be. This is how we warm up for gymnastics. And I would see the Aussies and I was like, you guys are just, you know, kind of throwing your bands around and having a chat. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is very different to what I'm used to where in gymnastics, you line up in front of the coach and the warm-up's done to counts and it's like eight seven six five like everything's done in time it's a set routine and I was like okay the Japanese are doing it more like gymnastics and the Australians like we're doing a lot of guided physio work I would say um but it wasn't as focused as what I saw the Japanese doing then after nationals I just went back to coaching gymnastics and I was coaching full-time at that stage But I got a call from Gymnastics Australia and they said, Kirsten, we've been approached by Nutter Wadding. They want their swimmers doing gymnastics. Can you come along to this meeting? Because we're really not sure on what to offer. We know you've coached swimming. We know you've been part of swimming. Um, We just think you might be able to help us a bit in this meeting. I said, yeah, okay, no worries. So I turned up to this meeting and it was Rowan Taylor, um, the now head coach of Australia, and Amanda Isaac, who's in Sydney, and Damien Farrow, who's a professor in skill acquisition. Um, He was at VU, I think he still is, but I'm not sure. Um, And I turned up to this meeting with another person from Gymnastics Australia, and they explained where they were at. And they wanted their swimmers to have better skills. They wanted better turns, they wanted better dive starts, they wanted better streamlines. And Damien had proposed that getting the younger swimmers to do gymnastics would enable them to be more athletic and learn these great swimming skills at an earlier age. So Rowan and Amanda were under trying to find a way of making sure that they weren't fixing skills with open athletes where they were coming through and they had really good skills and they could start just training the aerobic system and getting them faster and making small changes to technique rather than Literally reinventing your dive start when you're an open athlete. So um I was sitting there and I was like, okay, well I all oh, again, like when I was on pool deck with Nick at States, I was like, well, forward roll is a tumble turn. Okay, I wonder if they can forward roll. A dive start that's leg strength, that's hip stability, and I would do a lot of actually ballet exercises for that. A streamline, that's the same shape as a handstand. In gymnastics, we spend about half an hour each session working on our straight line, our handstand shape. I wonder if they're doing those drills. So I was just sitting there and these ideas were just coming. And then I said to them, I said, I think you want quite a specific program for this. And then they said, yeah. So I said, okay, well, I'm happy to come in and take your swimmers for." gymnastics. So that was 2015 where I just started coaching gymnastics to swimmers. Um and I used to get so excited. I'd make the coolest sessions and everything was very trial and error at that stage. I didn't know how quick they would learn things or how slow they would learn things. Um and in gymnastics you have a group of eight. In swimming you have a squad of what, 20 to 25. So it was also a lot of like class crowd management. Um, I was very thankful for my days of coaching school groups, and <laughs> it it really was a really rewarding experience. And I would say that was the that was the start. I went every week, um, and we would just layer upon layer upon layer. And I would work with the coaches and work with the physios to get feedback on what the group needed and what I could help with. So if their physio screenings came back and their streamline range was poor, then I would make that the focus of the next block of training. If their rotation was poor, I'd that make that the focus of the next block. And I loved that I was able to identify a goal of where I could make the biggest impact and then make a program for it. And then at the end you get the feedback of, yeah, okay. Their streamline range has improved, or their rotation is looking better. Um, so that was the start. So it was, yeah, five years ago now, nearly six. That,
0: that's amazing, and and you've you've sort of parlayed that into obviously doing um, one-on-one classes and small group classes, and and now you've got because of COVID, I suppose, got a lot of your um, classes on demand on Zoom, so you're reaching. Um, swimmers from all over the world as well is that right
1: yeah so when I was at Nana I was um, just at Nana because I moved to the high performance center for gymnastics so my coaching load got um, higher and the demand of coaching high performance sport is a lot greater and the whole time I'd meet with Rowan every couple of months and he would always be like, can you write a program? Like we need to get this to going to more clubs. And I was like, yeah, okay, okay. Um, like, How's that program coming along? And I'd be writing the program in my spare time. And <laughs> he was always so supportive and, yeah, always like, come on, you've got to keep keep pushing this thing. Our sport needs it. And I was like, yeah, okay, but I love gymnastics. I love gymnastics coaching. Um, and I just always kind of saw it as a bit of like a a side thing. And then uh, Swimming Victoria became really, really supportive and they started inviting me to camps. And I loved those camps. And I was starting to work with more and more athletes. And I thought, no, okay, this actually has got legs. And I am getting that sense of reward that you get from coaching, from coaching the swimmers. And it was challenging me in a different way. I always said to Rowan that I'd never stop gymnastics coaching, and that it was always going to stay as the the thing I did on the side. Um, but I actually now only do gymnastics, um, and I am finding it is even more rewarding than I ever could have imagined. So it's been since the start of COVID, I started coaching gymnastics full time, and I love that I get to work with a diverse range of athletes swimmers and of all ages so i also am working with afl and tennis and netball and judo but i also love that i'm working with you know a 5 year old and then the next minute i'm working with a masters athlete and i've got this full range in there you've got you're working with swimmers that are trying to get a national time and then you're working with swimmers who are going to olympic trials and it's enabling me to use a more broader skill set. So there'll be some swimmers that I'm teaching more yoga, meditation and core and race day mindset. And then there's the younger swimmers where you're teaching them movement patterns so they can be really coordinated and have really good neural pathways through their body so they become a really athletic person uh, for their life. And then masters I love because you get to get their injury history and then, which normally is quite elaborate, Um, and it's like problem solving, and it's the greatest joy because you are navigating all these kind of red spots of past injury to put them in positions where they're pain-free, but you're still getting them to get the benefits of whatever exercise you need them to get the benefits from. So I love with gymnastics that I get a large array of uh, athletes and ages and abilities and goals and yeah I I'm not sure if I'll go back to gymnastics I'm really not um, the door is definitely open but at the moment this is just giving me the greatest joy that I ever could have imagined and yeah I guess Rowan was probably right all along. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I think he saw it not, before I did.
0: Oh, well, sometimes it's easier to see from the outside what we can't see when we're in right in the middle of it.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I think um yeah, actually probably took covid um for me to realize <laughs> it literally took a pandemic for <laughs> me to realise that I needed to um I needed to share this um and I guess the way I see the body move and the way that I draw the parallels to swimming are probably what have enabled it to grow as quick as it has. Um, when I finished Zoom this morning, I'd taken a group for a school group for four days straight. And over Zoom you don't really get much feedback um on how it's going. And there were like thirty behind this one screen. So the back row are a little bit um fuzzy, but you can tell when they're not doing something. So it's enough to go, hey, back row, like get back into things. Um (laughs) but I didn't really know how we're going because you know, you kind of end meeting and you know, they go back and go into the pool. And normally if I'm at a training camp, I'll take gymnastics and I'll go and sit on pool deck afterwards or I'll help on pool deck after or beforehand. If they've swum beforehand, I'll get there early and see how their bodies are moving and just get a gist for how the group works, what the weaknesses are, what needs to be fixed. And I didn't get to do that because it was a cab, but it was over zoom. So it's end meeting and I'm not on pool deck after that. Um, but this morning after the session, the coach actually was like, Kirsten, do you have a minute? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, after your session on Tuesday when we worked on tumble turns in the morning, we just went into the pool and spent an hour and a half working on turns and there was like a 300% improvement because they were able to apply everything you'd t- taught on dry land and you had just really drilled into them that they needed to focus when they're in the water and they needed to be applying their dry land. So I think that's where it's those uh, interactions where you go, okay, this this is a gap, and I need to to fill it. Oh, sorry, the wind's picked up here. Um, so that has really, I guess, been the encouragement for me to to keep learning, to keep studying. Um, I still want to study more on dive starts um, and backstroke starts. I have a, you know, I have my methodology, but in gymnastics, we always keep refining our methodology and we are taught how to teach skills. That's the—that's what we are as gymnastics coaches. We're skill teachers. And I would really like to become really good at teaching skills so that then people have exceptional swimming skills. And I think I was listening to your podcast with Lindley and I oh, yes. when she was saying how she just attacked every turn and it was never a rest spot for her and – that was, that was probably one of her greatest strengths in the end. Um, she has many. She's a phenomenal woman. But, yeah, and I thought if, I think that's something that we need to get better at um, because you don't have to be necessarily stronger. You don't have to necessarily be fitter. You just have to have a better understanding of how the body works and how to turn. And in gymnastics, we, we learn that. And as coaches in gymnastics, we have to be really good at teaching that because a gymnast that moves through is a gymnast that learns skills the quickest. And so as a coach, you need to be really efficient at teaching skills and be really clear on your technique and your methodology. And I think that's something that we can bring to swimming skills so that there's an advantage at the wall or off the blocks. Yes, yeah, yeah, I, don't I agree we with you. I know you're went <laughs> No, I agree with you
0: totally. I mean, you said earlier when you first started coaching swimming, how hard it was when their faces are in the water. And I think a lot of coaches sort of feel that. They probably think at the time, okay, that tumble turn needs something. But then the swimmer's turn and gone, they're underwater, and then the next swimmer's come along. And it's very hard to remember when you've got 30 kids in the water and you need to give them all of that kind of feedback um, to, to, to do so after every single turn. Whereas when you're doing gymnastics um, on land, You can have that immediate feedback with someone watching you and it's obviously easier to see the whole body moving because half the body is obviously underwater when you're doing your turn. So I think that that is so valuable for for swimmers to use that and then apply it in the water because, as we know, they have to be responsible for their technique and and their skills in the water as well.
1: Definitely, and I think that's one thing where, As I said, I say this quite often, I was like, gymnasts, we we fall on our face or we land on our bum if we haven't done it right. Like you get instant feedback or you fall off the beam or you miss the bar or you, you know, you split the beam. We get instant feedback if we have done it wrong and if the technique was not correct. And so we learn that you have to prioritize technique. Like that is number one, because without it, you don't achieve the skill. And, you know, some gymnasts, they manage to find their own technique and chuck it and succeed. But um, that's a different breed and that's a different coaching dilemma. But I think with swimming is that they can still do a turn. It's just slow up. But when they hit the wall at the end of the 100 or the 200 and the time's not what they wanted, they may not necessarily attribute that to the fact that they didn't attack that turn or they're not doing a heel slide into the turn and they're not kicking out in a straight shape that rebounds off the wall rather than kind of sticks and lags so I think there's um in the dry land a hundred percent you can just give them feedback more often because their heads are not out of the heads are not in the water sorry And the ground gives them that feedback. So when you're teaching forward rolls, it really is uncomfortable to roll on your head. So they learn straight (laughs) away that they need to follow their hands. And if you don't roll fast enough, you don't get up on the other end of your forward roll. Or if in the air, once you've done your jump after the forward roll, you're in an arch shape, you don't land back on the spot you took off from because your shape changed the direction of where the energy was going. So there's a lot more feedback on dry land and I would say when I, before Christmas, I was working with a swimmer in the pool because her turns um, needed work and I said, okay, well let's do like a dry land but then we'll get in the pool and work on them and in the end I found the easiest way was I put my bathers, my goggles and my cap on and I jumped in because it was just so much easier to be in the water and seeing what she was doing. And I think after COVID, I had a lot of the swimmers inviting me to go for a swim with them when you had to book your own session and they weren't swimming with their squads. And so they'd be like, Kirsten, do you want to come for a swim with us on Saturday afternoon? And I was like, yes, I would love to. And it was probably one of the most rewarding things ever. Um, other than the, you know, the wonderful coaches that I've met through swimming, um, this was definitely the most beautiful thing that I could never have planned Swimnastics. Yeah. Giving me, but I, yeah, Saturday afternoon, we'd all book the same slot and turn up to the pool and I'd join in for their set. And just as well, we were all coming back from not swimming. I'm not sure if I could join in with their sets (laughs) now, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At the time, I could. And I remember being like, when it was a kick set, I was like, oh, damn, like when's the pool set? Or when it was like heaps of IM, I was like, oh, oh all right, we'll, we'll do it. But, you know, um, I would love it if it was like more of a sprint set or a bit more of a pool. Um, and I remember I would, there was a couple of them. I was a bit cheeky and I knew that their skills needed work. So I'd come into the wall with them. But then I'd do a really quick turn and good underwaters afterwards so that then I'd be past the flags before them. And it just a couple of times you do that over some hundreds and they start to go, hang on, person's coming into the wall with me. But why is she past the flags before me? And she's not fitter than me. She's not like maybe stronger than some of them, but not pool strong. And uh, it really reinforced. And they'd be like, Kirsten, can you work with me on my turns after we finish the main set? And I was like, yep, no worries. I'm more than happy to help you. So I think being in the pool with them for skills was really helpful. Um, But then having the dry land as a reference point, that has probably been the most beneficial thing of a lot of the swimmers doing nearly eight months or nine months of gymnastics on Zoom. Some of them were doing five times a week some of them three it was very varied depending on you know how zoom fatigued you got and I think having reference points from dry land training have helped us to accelerate the learning process and develop exceptional skills so they know what it means to push off in a straight shape and how that feels they know when I say push you're pushing off the wall in arch what that shape is with the body the body and They understand rib and pelvis connection. So I think the understanding that they have of their bodies now is so much higher and it enables them to make technical corrections quicker as well. Um, And, I, yeah, the coach this morning said they're just swimming better. Their technical changes are quicker um, when they're getting feedback from the coaches. And I think as gymnasts we get feedback after most turns and you're probably – yelled at if you don't make it on the next turn if you don't make the correction Um, so we really learn to make technical corrections quickly and I remember when I went to swimming um, squad when I started triathlon he the coach was really surprised that I'd be able to just make a change straight away so in my freestyle if I was pulling too much across my body I was able to change it straight away and I wouldn't stop focusing on that until the habit of pulling correctly was like ingrained, and we just developed that ability to focus on technique. So, for me, it would just be every warm up, I would just focus, focus on pulling the correct way. And if it slipped for one stroke, you just knew how to pull it back underneath the body. So, I think one of the things that gymnastics has now started to do is to teach swimmers also how their mentality needs to be so yes it has started about skills it started about the body but it is starting to become more about the mental side and you know you can get from one wall to the other whilst thinking about your dinner but are you making any changes is your body's position correct and can you be more efficient when you get from one wall to the other by thinking about your techniques so yeah, it's definitely, it grows its own ways, this, um, this wonderful thing.
0: You know, I just find that really so interesting that um, able to cross the gymnastics into the swimming and I think that that is something that a lot of our swimmers, um, master swimmers obviously as well, um, can do to improve their technique in the water. And I, I agree with you because sometimes I find myself in a session swimming and I, I am thinking about nothing or I'm just letting my mind float on, you know, things I've thought about during the day and I don't think about every single turn that I'm pushing off the wall. I should be doing a streamline and sometimes I'm a bit tired or I'm a bit lazy and I, I don't really extend my arms or whatever the case may be. So it's always so good to be able to bring that back and think about that. And I, I feel like gymnastics is a, a really good thing that we should all be doing. I, I love the fact that I heard about it and got to try it and, um, I thank you for inventing it. It's wonderful.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, I think, yeah, I definitely, um, I have a lot to thank for Rowan and Amanda and Damien um, and GA for giving me the, the call that day um, because, yeah, I definitely, um, yeah, I guess I'd had ideas about it but I never uh, never knew where it would go and, Now I have days where I probably get overwhelmed with how big it's going to grow, um, especially now that we're Zooming to the UK and it just keeps growing and now I'm sending coaches to do clinics in Victoria because I'm not there at the moment and it's challenging me in different ways um, but I think the the greatest thing is that I can explore creatively as I get to come across different swimmers and more swimmers and more coaches and hear what problems they're having and then find solutions. That's probably the biggest thing. I think my next one is um, activations. Uh, I think a few people have heard my um, – few swimmers have heard my rants about um, activations when they're on pool deck. And that will be my next big push is that we, we have really efficient and effective – cool deck activations where you're not just spiky balling and foam rolling for 30 minutes and then jumping in. Um, there is nothing better than jumping into the water and you've already created some length in your lats. So your stroke is long. I remember when we used to do gym before a swim and if you had chin-ups in your gym set, you'd dive in and you always just felt a little bit short at the front end of your stroke. And we all know how beautiful it is to swim well and oh it's just nothing better when you feel good in the water um (laughs) and so I think like I used to hate it if I'd like done a heavy gym set and then dove in the water and everything felt short and hence I yeah I like to give the swimmers things that They can do so their lats do feel a little bit long when they get back in but also still activated so you've got a nice catch on the water and I think as a triathlete you know you'd dive into the water and you'd run or you'd row that morning so you'd dive in your legs felt like heavy and you kind of would just pull the whole session your legs would like almost be scraping the bottom of the pool sometimes but you you learned how to kind of flush out the lactate really quick and Now I use different tools to what I did then, um, but I think being able to give the swimmers tools so you can feel better more often in the water um, because there is nothing better than when it just feels effortless, connected, and you just got a really nice catch, and and then when you when you do a a tumble turn, that's super quick. um, It feels pretty cool too. So. Yeah, that's what we're aiming for, really. I guess
0: I think that that's a, a real a real gap that a lot of swimmers um, could feel that activation on pool deck, even if they're only spending ten or fifteen minutes doing it before they hop in. I think that's um, that's something that's very valuable to the swimming world, particularly to the masters, the master swimming world. Um, a few years ago I had a bit of bursitis in my shoulder and I so before every session I do try and do my therabands and do a few exercises and when other master swimmers in my squad are arriving they're going oh you're so good I should be doing that but I'm not yeah (laughs) you know if there was something out there that they could access like if you were doing your activation um, session for them on Zoom where they could get them on demand and teach themselves to do that. I think that people are a bit lost sometimes about what to do and having that to access might be a really good thing for the Master Swimming community as well as the broader swimming community in general.
1: For sure. Um, it's funny you say that because I did actually um, have a catch up with a uh, Master Swimming coach in Ireland It would be in this time last year. She was in Melbourne and we went for coffee and she was like, Kirsten, I really need you to make a master's activation program. And I haven't done it. COVID hit and I was absolutely (laughs) slammed. But um, you've definitely like prompted me again. Um, And I remember having this debate with a, a really good friend during COVID. He was like, Kirsten, like I get to training. He's a swimming coach and, you know, they're not, they're just flapping about on pool deck. And I was like, well, do they know what to do? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They know what to do. And I was like, I don't think they know. Like, there's so much that you can do. Like, these days you can jump on YouTube. You can jump on Pinterest. You can jump on Instagram. You can jump on Facebook. And there's so many exercise ideas. Like, so many. So then if a swimmer, even a master swimmer, you've been on Instagram that day and, okay, you get to pool deck now and you're like, okay, well, I saw this exercise. But... The biggest thing is why. So why are you doing a downward dog? Why are you doing a lunge? And that's where I had a swimmer yesterday. Um, She was very sweet. I work with her one-on-one. And she's like, Kirsten, I just know in your program the reason behind every exercise. And I was like, good. I'm glad you do. And she's like, that's why I do your program again after I've seen you. And I was like, okay, because you know the why, you then know that you need to do it. It's like, yeah, once I know the why, I'm happy to do whatever exercise it is. And I have the discipline. And I said, okay. So I think that's the biggest thing is that we need to know the why. And hence, like, I love putting things up on the gymnastics Instagram, but there's always a reason for every exercise for that person or for that squad or for that swimming group. Um, And I'm very selective on what I'm giving them. So if it's a swimmer that struggles with rotation because the pecs are tight or is it a swimmer that struggles with rotation because they don't know how to activate through the scapula, Or is it a swimmer that's not very connected? They're actually very flexible, but they don't have control of their range. And that's why they can't rotate through the water well. So I think the biggest thing is uh, when I was coaching, uh, speaking to this coach during COVID about his swimmer's activation, I said, do they know why they're doing it? And he said, yep. And I said, okay, do they know what they need to do? Like, what do you need to get out of it? I said, in the morning, you wake up, You have, you trudge onto pool deck at 5am or 4.30 for some people and your body has laid still for, you know, hopefully eight hours. For me, I definitely need eight hours, um, of sleep and you kind of roll in there all groggy. Like the last thing I'd want to do is to start skipping. Like my body would just hurt, especially, um, now, I'm, you know, we're getting older and I, my back would hurt and I'd be like, oh, what is this? So in the morning, you need to move the spine and you need to create space through the spine. The breath needs to be really full and fluid so when you dive in, your lung capacity is ready for it. So there's a certain type of breath practice that needs to be done in the morning. But then the movement before a morning swim needs to be really flowy and floaty so that their body is slowly waking up but you're also finding out where does the body feel stagnant where does the body feel stuck after your sleep we all sleep in funny positions so there'll be a change in the body and when we sleep our body is reforming it's rejuvenating restoring so there'll be changes in the body overnight so in the morning, you need to get a feel for it and then move into the parts of stagnant energy so that you can create breath and then create range. In the afternoon, for for master swimmers, most of us have sat at a desk all day. And during COVID, we've sat at our laptops in our home office. So our posture is probably the worst. Um, I know there were days where I just needed to change location, but was probably to the detriment of my posture, but I was like, I just need a scenery change. I'm going to sit in the backyard today. So in the afternoon before a swim, we need to open up the pecs because often we've sat really closed off. You've absorbed things through the day. So you might kind of close through the pecs to protect yourself. And so you need to open through the pecs so you have rotation. And if you don't have openness through the pecs, the catch on the backstroke is not going to feel great in the afternoon because the scap won't come onto the lats to then really generate that power through the water. Then if the hip flexors are tight because you've sat all day, if the hip flexors are short, you're then going to have a body position that's less than optimal. And to get access to the glutes and the hamstrings for kick, it's not going to be as easy and If you've got a kick set in the afternoon, but the hip flexors are short, it's not going to be a fun time for you. Um, So in the afternoon, I always suggest that there's an opening through the pecs in some way, whatever way works well for you, and then an opening through the hip flexors. And if they're the only two things that you do before you get in the water for an afternoon swim, then that is amazing. In the morning, I definitely encourage like a more gentle movement where you keep moving. I think that's the biggest thing is if you have a routine, which is where gymnastics, we had a routine warm-up. And that was also our start time. That's one thing that I am in the swimming world. The start time is the start of the swim, but it's not the start of the activation. And so that's one thing I'm like, oh, we need to make sure that the swimmers are really seeing that start time of activation as a start time um i think they kind of see it as a i don't know a soft start time i'm not sure it a seems a bit gray I, yeah. I,
0: <laughs> I think a soft start where they think they can roll in maybe at that time or five minutes later or whatever the case may be
1: yeah yes. where it's like and i know i've seen um Scott Talbot, actually, we've been working together on Zoom in the UK and he's he's really good enforcing that that's a hard start time. It's not a soft start time with him and it's been cool for me to see um, how it's not, it's definitely not, it's very clear and I think with gymnastics because they line up in front of us so it really sets, it, it makes me feel a bit funny but it is also, it sets that this is, this is the start and then we warm up from there. Um, but one thing that I'm really encouraging swimmers to do at the moment is that at least if you do get to pool deck, you don't just grab a spiky ball and a foam roller and start with that because that's when you do that for 10, 15 minutes and they're almost doing it so they can still chat to their friends. Um, like you can (laughs) sit on a spiky ball or you can be up against a wall spiky balling your lats or your pecs or, uh, your traps. And you can still chat to your friends, but you're then not bringing that presence and focus into the body to prepare everything for your swim. And I would say if you get the body moving first, you then know where to foam roller and spiky ball. So have a set sequence, even if it's like 10 exercises, five exercises that give you an idea of how the body's feeling. If you, you know go into a lazy cat or you go into a thread the needle and you're like oh actually underneath my right scap it feels a bit funny today like it feels like a little bit knotted or tight finish your sequence and then grab your spiky ball and go against the wall and go through that spot otherwise you're trying to if you try and spiky ball and foam roll the entire body you'll be there for like two hours that's why we go and get a massage because then we don't have to ourselves. So. I think that's where I'd rather... It, we need to be more efficient. If you get on pool deck, do 10 exercises that give you an idea of how the body's moving and then spiky ball or foam roller where it feels tight from there. Like I know I need to release my sowers with a spiky ball um, and I'll do that if I've run that morning and I'm swimming that afternoon, then I know I have to do that. But first I'll try and get some length through the hip flexor before then moving into the sowers So... That would be my biggest um, piece of advice is to get the body moving first before you know where you need to release. And in the afternoon, definitely get into the pecs and definitely get into the hip flexors um, so that you can, yeah, it can make the difference between feeling really good in the water or feeling a little bit um, sluggish, I think. For me, it does anyway. Yeah, I, I yeah. love that.
0: I love the fact that you sort of advocating activate first and then mobilise. I think that's something that we can all do, particularly master swimmers who, you're right, a lot of them are sitting, working at desks and have really tight picks and they need to open everything up. And I mean, sometimes when I'm rushed to get to the pool and I don't do that kind of thing, I, I just don't have a great swimming session or it takes me another extra K to warm up before I can get going. And I think, really important if you can do your activation and then your mobilization and being a master's athlete you have less time in the water training anyway then you'll get more out of your training
1: a hundred percent and I think that's where especially at the moment like I um yeah I'm trying not to train that much purely because my I demonstrate so much. I actually don't have much um, energy left to train. So, But I do want to feel good every time I go for a swim. I don't want to feel tight through the chest because I want that feeling, especially in backstroke when you get that beautiful rotation and you feel the openness through the chest as the scap pulls down the lap for your catch, there's nothing better. But I remember a couple of weeks ago I went for a swim and I was purely – I spent a lot of the day on the computer um, doing programming and admin, so I was very hunched all day and I got in the water and I think the first 500 felt absolutely atrocious. And I was like, the swim's nowhere near as enjoyable. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, I definitely have not done what I say, Uh, but it was good. I was like, okay, this is why you say not to do this because – this experience of the first 500 I was like oh I just want to get out like I was not swimming well at all so um I think yeah if you can at least just open the pecs maybe it's before you dive in that you just do a little bit of a chest opener by interlacing the hands behind your back and lifting the fingertips up to the roof um just to create a reference for the body that you are going to open through that area and you need it to be open through that area. It takes you two seconds. I think that's the biggest thing is like I probably should have done it that day. I was rushing around and you get into that, you know, that state of rush and I have no time. And I literally could have just spent five minutes and I think that first 500 would have felt so much better. But, you know, I was like, I've got to get in, I've got to get in. And really, the five minutes would have been so much more beneficial <laughs> than me getting in in my frantic stress state of like, I just need to get in the water because everything feels better once you dive in. Um, and it does, you know, and I have days where I swim up and down the pool and I'm not thinking about my technique at all because you do, you need those days where your swim in the water is, is meditative and blissful and, and absolutely, you know, beautiful time. Um, yeah with no noise um so yeah I have those days too where I just need to get in there and not think about things um but in a main set I definitely um that's when I try and focus on things or often I'll if I've worked with a swimmer and they've got feedback from their coach on a specific technique I'll actually try and go for a swim after so that I can get a deeper feeling and deeper understanding as to why maybe they're not doing the technique that their coach is asking for. Um, So if they're, you know, not doing their fly kick with their hips coming up, I'll jump in and be like, why wouldn't you? Uh, And see where (laughs) would the weakness be in the body and then come back and address um, so I can really help on dry land to enable the swimmer to do the correct technique. Um, so often, I'll when I start working, especially one-on-ones, I'll ask them what is the biggest feedback that you get from your coach. What do you get most often asked to do? Um, because I'll find out why their body's naturally not doing it. So sometimes the body's not doing it because it doesn't have the strength there. Sometimes it doesn't have the neural pathway of connection, so the movement pattern is actually not in the body. Or sometimes they, yeah, they don't have the range or the strength. So you've got to address it from that, and then often they can that keep that technical feedback further into the main set um, or they can make the adjustment a lot quicker. So, but, yeah, I think activation, it's worth the five minutes. It really is. I've learnt the hard way. a couple of times of late too. Yeah.
0: I think we all have, haven't we? <laughs> I think yeah. That'd, that'd been, yeah, that's a really valuable, a valuable point for all our um, listeners to take away. Um, and I hope that a lot of people will, uh, try and connect with you at least on Zoom if they're interstate or overseas and just check out Swimastics because it's um, it's an amazing dry land activity and I know when I've done it, I get so much out of it, I wish I could squeeze in more time to do it. <laughs> but, um, I love doing it. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for coming on the podcast today and explaining to everyone um, about gymnastics and the importance of dry land work for swimmers it's been a real pleasure having you on
1: thank you Danielle it's actually been it's always beautiful spending time with you and chatting to you and your support um has been incredible since the first day I met you and it it really is these are the interactions that inspire me to go and make things um for master swimmers or for um you know tennis players when a tennis player contacts me or whatever it is um so yes when I find um a little bit of downtime yeah I definitely need to um write a little activation maybe it is only five minutes for I need to be more mindful of what is my time like because that's master swimmers isn't it where you know we are very time poor once we have a job and once we've you know, got families and friends and all those things. Um, so thank you for inspiring me again to get my my back into that and yeah, for all of your support as well. Oh, you're so welcome. (laughs) Right (laughs) back at you. (laughs) And I I think seeing you swim all the time is so inspiring as well. I'm always like, (laughs) Yeah, you're very inspiring to get back in the pool and yeah, to train as well. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> okay, well, thank you and enjoy the rest of your trip travelling
0: around um, the central New South Wales coast and we'll see you back in Melbourne very soon.
1: we Will do, we will do. I'll see you then. Bye.
0: Okay, then. Thanks, Kirsten. Bye. Bye. you go, Bob. Thank you for listening in today. We hope you're enjoying our podcasts here at Torpedo Swim Talk. If you would like to find out more about gymnastics. You can reach Kirsten through her website at swimnastics.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe at Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. Like, rate, share and spread the word. Till next time, goodbye and happy swimming.